Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the New York Yankees official podcast. You watch all this stuff going on as you're moving up the ladder and as you're coming in and you you hopefully take the, the, the best parts of all of it and you hopefully try to apply it to your life. You've got to be lucky, and where my luck came in, and it was on, it was a couple other guys, you know, unfortunate for them, but Jimmy Key and Melito Perez got hurt, and so that gave me the opportunity, and I may have not have ever got the opportunity in 1995 if those guys wouldn't have got hurt. My kids are diehard Yankee fans, and they let everyone in the Houston area know that they're diehard Yankee fans, so they get, they get a lot of business. Hello, hello, and welcome to another episode of the New York Yankees official podcast. I'm John Schwartz. I'm the deputy editor for Yankees Magazine. Joining me right here, we have our editor-in-chief, Al Sanasiri. How you doing, Al? I'm good, John. How you doing? I'm great. We have a you know, we, we what is an amazing interview with Andy Pettit in this episode. For the audio quality, uh, you could tell he's in a car uh, driving from Houston to Dallas. But uh, stick with it because I really thought it was so fun to talk to him, and and he had so much interesting stuff to say. It's a great interview. Always great to hear his voice and have him reflect on those great teams. It never gets old uh, to hear it. I think that's why those re- these reunions are so exciting for me. I. I think I watched, I feel like, every game in 1998 and some of those other years. And if I didn't watch every game, it was pretty close. And the memories just come back so quickly whenever you hear a guy like that talking about those days and and other things as well. That's definitely part of what we spoke about. But also, uh, in this episode, I think we should look a little bit at the playoffs right now. Obviously, the World Series start this weekend. and, and, And try to get a sense of maybe what we can read into the 2024 Yankees from what we're seeing on the field right now. But before we do that, again, here is Andy Pettit. Joining us right now from his car on the road, we have Yankees pitcher, Monument Park member, member of the Core Four, Andy Pettit. Andy, thank you so much for taking the time. Hey, you bet, John. So, Andy, you know, we just came off a full year celebrating the 25th anniversary of that 98 team. And obviously that includes the wonderful Old Timers Day ceremony. You had so much big league success in your life, so many great memories. But what stands out to you about 1998? Yeah, I mean, that that year was a special year. I think, you know, all the years kind of, you know, especially when you're winning and we were winning as much as we were, they all kind of actually blend in, I feel like, together to a certain extent. But I just remember that year, it seemed like we, we had a lot of, of things going on with the team, a lot of kind of adversity, a lot of things kind of maybe even in like personal lives and stuff. But yet, you know, just able to just go out and play and play hard. And and it just was a year where like everything just gelled that year together. I, I mean, just uh, we, we took the field every single day and we just felt like that there was no way we were going to lose. And it's it kind of, it's kind of weird that you can feel like that as you walk through a big league season, but you know we just we just got on such a good run, and I mean I, I think I, that we had started that season maybe a little slow at the beginning, 
But then just got on a little bit of run, and it was just, uh, it, there, there was no stopping it, it seemed like. Not for a second to take away any of your own contributions, but as a starting pitcher, you kind of got to sit and watch some of those games, uh, four out of every five days. I mean, could you believe what you were seeing when you weren't on the field? Yeah, no, it, it was hard that, you know, it's hard to believe that you could go out, you could win that many games, especially, you know, at that time I had been in the league since 95, so you'd seen, you know, three seasons under your belt of, of big league seasons, but just to see the way that, you know, not only that our staff, our pitching staff just would take the mound and be prepared and, and, and throw the ball well and give us a chance to win, it seemed like every single night, but the intensity uh the the approach the 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 grind that our position players showed each and every single day you know like you just said being a pitcher i get to pitch once every fifth day so boy it's easy for me to be ready but to go out there and play the game hard day in and day out to have that kind of focus to have that kind of dedication it was it was fun 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 to watch that's for sure is there one moment that you can point to that you feel like was your biggest contribution to that season? Oh, man, me personally, no, I mean, you know, I, I, I don't, you know, I don't remember, you know, just right off the hand right now, you asking me that question, you know, one moment, you know, it just stood out where I felt like it was a, a huge contribution, you know. Um, you know, one thing that stands out to me, which is not a great thing, but the thing that really stands out to me during that season was, you know, unfortunately, during the World Series, I had to miss the first two games of the World Series. My dad was in Houston having open-heart surgery. And then, so I flew to San Diego and, and met the team. And so that was a – it was a weird postseason for me with my, my dad, with those uh, things that were going on. And so super excited, I guess, personally, that I was able to, to come back in and, and pitch game four and, and wrap up. Yeah, I believe it was a sweep. We swept the – the series there, and, and I, I think I was able to pitch game four uh, and, and threw the ball well and, and gave us a chance to, to wrap that up in San Diego. It's always so interesting to me, and, and, I, and I certainly don't mean this in any negative way, but but it's happened twice now. First, you asked, uh, you know, you thought you started the season a little slow, and then you just said you believe it was a sweep. Now, the funny thing is, like, I could pull 10 Yankees fans off the street, and they could tell you game by game what your record was, and, and certainly right away that you swept. Is that just a matter of you having had so many baseball experiences and so much success that it runs together? Or does, do you just process it differently? Do you, do you think about this stuff differently than, you know, your typical fan would, obviously? Yeah, I'm not sure. I think I probably process it a little differently. Um, I, you know, I, I don't I don't dwell on stuff. I don't really, I'm not, what's that, you know, nostalgic as far as thinking and always dwelling back on that and and you know I think probably because there was so many games that I was part of and postseason games a little bit for me that they all do run together I guess also just when I talk I sometimes I question if I remember exactly the right way and so I kind of say you know, I was like, I was about to say, you know, I think we swept them. And I'm like, yeah, I mean, we swept them. I mean, like, you know, so. It's pretty famous that you guys swept them there. That was a pretty <laughs> pretty uh, th- good thrashing. I say that, and then literally I'm like, did we really sweep them? You know, <laughs> did we really sweep them? And so, so anyhow, yeah, but so I, to answer your question, I, I really believe, I, I think it's a combination of, of those two things. It's 
me personally, probably the way that I process stuff and maybe the way I even explain stuff, but then also it is really hard for me unless I go back and really, you know, maybe watch, you know, some, you know, highlights of our games or stuff like that. It's really hard for me to remember exactly what happened. Like, and I'm sure if it's brought to my attention, I'm going to be like, golly, yeah, that's right. I remember that, you know? I understand that. So, Andy, I mean, everyone who's spent even a second thinking about the Yankees knows the Joe DiMaggio quote, I want to thank the good Lord for making me a Yankee. You know, what does it mean to you? How much of your life right now, your mentality, do you think is a function of having been a Yankee? Oh, man. That's a tough question also. Um, so here's the thing. Let, let, let me interrupt you for a second. Cause, cause the reason I ask, and, and this is not to get too personal, but, you know, the reality is you're married to a woman you met when you were a teenager. You know, you're living right around where you grew up. Your life revolves around your kids and your grandkids, much more so, I imagine, than being a New York Yankee or a Houston Astro. But I, I wonder if there's another version of your life story that you ever think about, you know, if you've been Andy Pettit the carpenter or the mechanical engineer or something like that. Yeah, I mean, you're dead on, right? Like, so... 19 years old, I signed with the New York Yankees, and and I'm, I get put in their system, and I'm around, you know, Yogi Berra, Whitey Ford, you see Mickey Mantle, you know, those guys are just around, you know, Reggie Jackson was around, and just to, for me as a player, you know, those guys, those stories, those things were all kind of instilled, you know, in me, but, you know, I'm, I'm, I, I feel like I'm a Yankee, you know. I feel like that that you know they're the ones that drafted me. They're the ones that kind of shaped me and my baseball mindset on how I wanted to play the game. The traditional values of you know how they kind of brought you up as far as you know being clean shaved and you know always looking appropriate and always knowing that I was representing the New York Yankees and always wanting to you know hold myself to a, a high standard and 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 to hopefully you know be a good role model to not only you know other players but the kids and stuff like that so there's no doubt about it the the, the fabric of, of of who I am in my life was created obviously at a young age by my parents and of course by my faith and you know and and you know, in my walk that I have as far as with Jesus. And then, and then I would say just right there is, you know, the, the whole, you know, Yankee, um, you know, coming up through their organization and, and, you know, learning the, the ways of the game that I did from the players that were there before me, um, you know, and, and then the players that were there as I played as a young player. And so, you know, you watch all this stuff going on as you're moving up the ladder and as you're coming in and you, you hopefully take the, the, the best parts of all of it and you hopefully try to apply it to your life. And, and, you know, I feel like, you know, kind of that is, that is what I've done. And, you know, I'm and it, it means so much to me that I'm kind of, you know, I've kind of stayed in the mix. You know, when I first retired, I was working and was traveling and trying to be in our minor league system and help out young players and, and kind of hopefully be kind of a role model of some of the guys that I had whenever I was in that spot. And then, you know, we had COVID come along and then now just kind of back on board with them again, now at the big league level and trying to, to help out. And, 
want to see this organization succeed and strive and, and move forward and, and continue to try to be successful. And, you know, what we're all chasing now is that, you know, another World Series ring. For sure. It's, it's so fascinating to me. I mean, first of all, everything you just said is incredible. But, you know, you're, you're a 22nd round draft pick. I would say pretty well regarded as one of the greatest players ever to be selected that late. One of Put me back in your mindset as a high school kid hearing your name called there. What do you think is a reasonable belief for what the next two decades of your life might look like when you get picked in the 22nd round? Yeah, so, you know, I was picked in the 22nd round, and it was, I, I knew that there was a lot of teams that liked me out of high school. Um, when you're picked that late, you know, it's kind of like, you know, you're kind of a little bit of an afterthought, right? And nobody took a chance on me earlier than that um, because, I, you know, I was going to go to college and no one wanted to offer me, I guess, enough money in earlier rounds to get me to sign. So you're kind of like, okay, 22nd round, I'm going to go to college. Uh, I had signed with the University of Texas, you know, and was going to go there. I ended up going to San Jacinto Junior College. And the reason for that is because I was bound and determined. I was drafted the 22nd round, and I wanted to get better. And I wanted to be great. And I was like, I'm going to get better, and I'm going to be drafted higher. And so I ended up, you know, going to San Jacinto Junior College where I could just go there for one year, maybe two, and then sign pro. And so that in my mind, so, you know, 22nd round, well, you know, you got to get better than that, Andy. You know, you're just it's kind of a crapshoot when you go that late. And so that was kind of my mindset. That was my parents' kind of thought for me was, you know, maybe we can go to college. Maybe you mature a little bit more. Maybe you get better. Maybe you start throwing a little bit harder and you get a little bit more attention. And that's exactly what happened. I, I went to junior college for one year. I had a coach there. His name was Wayne Graham, uh, one of the greatest college coaches ever in, in the game of baseball, even at the D1 level. Uh, but he was at JUCO whenever I was there. And he pushed me and, and drove me to – to, to get in shape and to get mentally tough. And I give him an awful lot of credit to, uh, also of, of the man I am today and the work ethic that I have. Uh, he instilled a lot in me. And so, you know, I, I didn't end up going in the draft the next year. That I signed something that after the Yankees drafted me. It was called a draft and follow. They don't even do it anymore, I don't think. And so – the Yankees signed me prior, seven days prior to the next year's draft, and they gave me a, a decent amount of money. It was a it was a eighty thousand dollar bonus is what I got, you know. And, and I remember I went and bought a truck because I didn't have a vehicle, and I, I drove to Tampa, Florida with it, and I put a little bit of money in the bank, and and you know, kind of the rest is is the rest is history. Well, the rest is history. I mean, look, the rest. And and again, this is no. The rest is a best case scenario, though, right? I mean, there's a million ways your career could have played out. It's hard to imagine too many of them going better than it did, right? Yes, I mean, boy, was I blessed. You know, that, that's, that's you never could imagine that it would turn out and we'd go on the run uh, that we were on, and I would I would be around the guys that I played with, the Hall of Famers that I was able to be there with for so many years, great friends. I mean, it just it couldn't have gone any better. And look, I mean, there's that's the luck involved, right? I mean, you could right. have had the exact same pitching line over your career, 
but not play it alongside Derek Jeter and Bernie Williams and Jorge Posada and Mariano Rivera and for Joe Torre and all that stuff. I mean, it's amazing just how much good fortune you need to have, you know, to, to be as good as you are to be able to do all that you can do. Baseball, you need a lot more than just you, right? You got it. You have to get so lucky. And look, I, you have to be, and, and I know I was lucky from the standpoint when I came up to the minor leagues, the Yankees traded every prospect. Right. They were, they were going to trade me and they were going to trade me for the big pitching prospect. It was somehow, some way I made it through and I got a chance. And then you've got to be lucky. And where my luck came in, and it was on, it was a couple other guys, you know, unfortunate for them, but Jimmy Key and Melito Perez got hurt. And so that gave me the opportunity. And I may have not have ever got the opportunity in 1995 if those guys wouldn't have got hurt. Um, if everybody would have stayed healthy, I might have just sat AAA and pitched there and, and did pretty good. And, uh, you know, they, they could have traded me at the death of '95. For a stud, who, whoever the next stud was out on the market, you know, that was kind of their M.O. back then. So I, I feel very fortunate and not only just the baseball way as far as how blessed I've been, but also just in little ways like that for the opportunity to be able to, to go and to start pitching and get in that rotation. And it felt very fortunate that I was able to have success as a young player. Uh, that's very hard to do. And, and I think we see that when a lot of our guys come up now. Um, you know, New York's a, a tough place to play, especially if you don't get off to a good start. So the parallel, though, that I do see in some of the pitchers right now, look, I mean, no one wants to hear the silver linings about a difficult and disappointing 2023 season. I get that. But how much value do you think there is in some of the Yankees' prospects, and also especially a guy like Michael King, you know, getting to go into the starting rotation, these things don't happen if there aren't all the injuries. You know, a lot of the players who got service time this year are actually spending the entire year in AAA, if not for these injuries. That doesn't help fans feel good about the 2023 season, but how much value do you think those players get from the big league experience they got this year? Well, it's, it's huge because you can't duplicate the big leagues, right? You can't, it's so hard to project guys in AA and AAA what that is going to translate into. And the only way to know is to get them up there and to see and to let them compete, see how they react to the failures, see how they react to the, to the good outings. And so it, it's, it's, you can't even put a price tag on it. You hate to see the season go the way it did, but it was an awful, awful, you earned, you learned an awful lot about some of the guys. You're able to see their makeup. You're able to see if you, if you if try to project if they're, able to stay healthy, what they might be able to do. And it was good to see some of our young talent come up and to watch them at the end of the year, that's for sure. So obviously around these parts, I don't need to tell you, you're Andy Pettit, Yankees legend, Monument Park, Core 4. You know, you also obviously spent time in Houston. And I'm sure you know that fans in the Northeast, uh, they don't particularly love the Astros. Uh, Is it strange for you to bridge that divide in a sense? You know, it's almost like when you were playing the idea of a Yankee and Red Sox connection, now it's a, a Yankees and Astros connection. You know, is it strange to have those ties on both sides? My kids are, are diehard Yankee fans, right? So they get it more. I, you know, you know, I think everybody knows my personality. I'm pretty laid back. Look, if Houston wins, great. You know, I mean, that's my hometown now. I'm good with that. Everybody knows that if they're playing the Yankees, I'm pulling for the Yankees. If the Astros are playing the Yankees, you know, 
And, and, and so the Yankees aren't in the playoffs. It's kind of, I'm either here or there. If the Astros win, you know, that's good or whatever. But my kids are diehard Yankee fans and they, they let everyone in the Houston area know that they're diehard Yankee fans. So they get, they get a lot of business, uh, <laughs> cheering for the Yankees. And I'm kind of in a little bit of a tough, tough stretch right now. My daughter is getting married to a diehard, born and raised in Houston Astro fan. So we're trying to convert him. <laughs> well, well, that's a, that, that's a project for another day, I guess. You know, speak, speaking of some fun projects you have, you know, we saw you around the Bronx so much this year, you know, working with these young pitchers in the second half. What do you think prepared you to be able to do that? Is it, you know, a, a, a life and a career as a, as a pitcher? Or do you think also the parenting aspect of it, of having learned how to, you know, work, work with young people and, and understand young people in a sense? I mean, it's not just Yankee, it's not just Andy Pettit, the pitcher, who's able to have that impact in that role, I imagine. Yeah, I mean, I think a little bit of both. Um, so one great thing I feel like is, is, is no matter what those guys walk through and no matter what happens to them during the course of the year, I've been through it already, you know, and, and I can, I can share that with them. I've given up nine runs in one inning before, you know, how does that happen? You know what I mean? Like there's no way that's even possible. Right. But it is, I I mean, I've done that. And so, so like, no matter how bad it gets out there, I can relate to it because I've walked through it. And so I, first of all, I think that is just makes it really easy, uh, you know, to be able to, to have conversations and to talk. And then I've also performed at a super high level in the biggest moments of, of, of games and in the biggest, on the biggest stage. And I've had failures. And I've had a lot of success. And so I think that, you know, that helps me be able to do it. Uh, since I've retired, I've been coaching high school baseball. So I'm around younger people. Uh, I've raised, you know, three boys already. Uh, my last kid just got out of the house and has gone off to college. But I've got a 29-year-old, a 25-year-old. So I've walked through all of that with them. Um, and I've just, you know, so I think just, a combination of those things. I feel like I'm a very good listener, which I, I think that helps where I don't feel like I've got to tell people exactly. I did this. I did this. I did that. I like to listen to guys and let them talk. And, and, um, I, I just, I feel like that I've dealt with everything, whether it's poor outings or whether it's family issues or whether it's, you know, being nervous about a start or having anxiety about a start. I've been there. I've done that. Uh, I've had fear of, of failure and not wanting, you know, worried about, you know, am I going to perform well and knowing how to, to, to get rid of that fear and, and channel and turn it, you know, the other way we're using it as a positive. And so, you know, there's a whole lot of stuff that I feel like that I could, you know, that I, I'm trying to deal with. And a lot of it is, not only pitching mechanics or this or that, but also just kind of being a pin cushion for guys also is really what I really like doing more than any of it, to tell you the truth. What excites you the most about this young crop of Yankees pitchers right now? I mean, look, I imagine when you're here, you know, your portfolio isn't to 
you know, work that much with Garrett Cole per se. Uh, but you know, the, the guys who, who you do get to spend a lot of time with, what really excites you about them? Just, just seeing their work ethic, their, their willingness and their want to, um, to get better and, and just not thinking that they've arrived, not thinking they've got it all figured out. These, these kids are, are good, good young players and, and good people. And so that's exciting. It's exciting when you see someone that the guys that, that wanna wanna learn, they wanna get better. And it's a little it's a different generation, right? And so you can you hope you can instill, you know, a few things into them, talking through them and, and, and stuff like that. But I would think that, that that's what excites me most because most because they, they have really the really guys, we have some some guys that have some really really good stuff. It's exciting to see where they can go, and and uh, you want to see them succeed. You know, um, I keep up with, with with an awful lot of guys, guys that I've been with, you know, that have moved on, and I'm big on relationships. And once I build a relationship with you, I mean, I'm going to keep building that relationship, whether you're has moved on or haven't, I mean, I, I try to always, if, if I've got uh, relationships built, I always try to continue to, to build those friendships with people. Man, I mean, that makes sense. Do, do you have, like, do you do you like this idea of kind of dabbling? Or, I mean, now that you're an empty nester, do you see yourself wanting to make it more a part of your life? Or do, do you like kind of dropping in in that style? Yeah, so, you know, uh, I'll be back with the team next year. And I'm going to try to be there as much as I can. I, you know, it's hard, right? I mean, New York's a long way from Texas. I, one thing yes. that I'm doing, I'm going to do for sure this year. And I, I missed a lot of my older boys, uh, their college experiences, a lot of their college games. Me and my wife, you know, we're going to try to follow my youngest son a little bit more than we did with the other two boys. I, I just, I feel like I missed, missed so much and we're excited. So, you know, in between traveling, you know, baseball season for him, the college season will start, you know, second week in February, and then it runs hopefully through, you know, the middle of June. And so probably early in the season, I won't be able to be around too, too, too much, but then looking forward to being around maybe that late, you know, late summer into, uh, into, into early fall is when I, you know, hope to be able to be around a little bit more, but I'll be in spring training for a few weeks. I'm sure is the plan. Try to get down there. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm going to be around as, as much as I can be up there or as much as my wife will allow me to run without wanting to divorce me. <laughs> well, Andy, we always look forward to seeing you. And uh, thanks so much for taking the time today. This was great. Okay, John, yeah, man, y'all have a great day. Hi, this is Everson Pereira. You are listening to the New York Yankees official podcast. This is Nick Swisher, and you're listening to the New York Yankees official podcast. Welcome back to the New York Yankees official podcast. Al, like I said, you know, I, I hope people did stick with that because, man, there, there are some guys who... You could just listen to them talk ball forever. And even if it's a little scratchy and even if it sounds like it's on speakerphone from a car, Andy Pettit's one of those guys for me. Yeah, you know, Andy Pettit with not great audio is better than insert name <laughs> here, you know, with, with great audio. He's fantastic. I, you know, I always talk about 
my memory is of doing a story out there in Texas with him. Some, uh, some grizzly uh, anecdotes uh, from that story. I'll leave some of those out, but it was a hunting trip. I'll leave that. For somebody, uh, I pride myself on being a, I don't know if I'm a great fisherman, but I think I was at one point a hunter. I am not. That I, is on the side of your game sport uh, you know, participation, though. It's more okay. with tiny little fish, not with yeah. giant beasts no, of I've, the wild. I, have, I will say I, I have never shot a gun of any kind. Uh, so <laughs> it was a little foreign to me. It was a little... Um, it was a lot interesting, but here in this interview, you know, being in tech, him being in Texas, it, it brought back even memories of that. He's just such a salt of the earth kind of guy. He is such a, just a true Texan in every sense of the word. And, you know, he was here, we had him here in New York for, for quite a while. He's back there now and just always a pleasure. It makes me want to do other stories with him. Maybe not another hunting one, but other stories with him. Yeah. You know, it's, it, it's a lot of fun and, and. There, there's stuff that God. I mean, I, I can't imagine how many times you've spoken to Pettit. You know, certainly you were here when he was still pitching here. I, I, I started uh, the year after he left with the Yankees, but I had interviewed him plenty of times back when I was with MLB before that. But he was just such an easy guy to talk to, and he still is. And, and you could tell that there's parts of it where he's the same exact person as he was when he was winning those World Series in the late '90s in 2009. And then you can also tell there are parts of him that are, you know, the grandfather in a sense and, and the things that now being an empty nester and kind of watching his world change in that way, ways that he sees everything that happened a little differently. And I, and I think it's fascinating as a check-in every couple of years, if you will, to, to see kind of that passage of time. I, I think that's a great point. I mean, for me, the, the tipping point, I guess, where that change really started was the day that he, I know he had retired more than once but the real one was his last game in Houston, you know, at the end of the 2013 season. And I remember in, interviewing him there in the, in the clubhouse the morning after that last game, he pitched a complete game ended in such dramatic fashion. And I remember the greatest quote I got from him in that interview. And, and really it's one of the best quotes I probably ever got in my career was he was just sitting there drinking a cup of coffee and lamenting about, how much fun the previous night had been and how much fun his career had been almost as if it had happened over the course of like two weeks and not, you know, almost two decades. And he said, you know, it's just too damn bad that we have to get old. And that's what he said. And I thought about that as kind of like, that was where the kind of the starting point was for this kind of generational change in his life, where he went from being an athlete, a top, top athlete, to being a retired athlete, to being a guy who, you know, saw his children get married, to a guy who now has grandchildren, and so on and so forth. And you're right. It's it there's a lot of a lot of me that feels like with him, as much as things change, they do stay the same. When he talks about baseball, he's the same humble, humble guy who talks about being a great competitor and how he left it all on the field, all things that are validated. But things change in his life like they do in all of our lives. And that's really a great point, John. It's really so interesting to me, too, because you want to talk about a moment of change. We can go back a couple of days before his last outing in Houston. And I'm talking about, obviously, when he and Derek Jeter went to the mound to get Mariano Rivera. Now, obviously, everyone knew Mariano was retiring and everything like that. Pettit hadn't even officially announced it when that happened. Right. But everyone knew he was, yeah. he was done. And you think, and we spoke about this, and you could tell how much it means to him. He had nothing to do with the fact that he spent so much of his life playing with 
Derek Jeter and Mariano Rivera and Jorge Posada and Bernie Williams and being managed by guys such as Joe Girardi and Joe Torrey and, and having Paul O'Neill behind. All, all these things. He had nothing to do with that. If you want to say when he came back from Houston, he did a little bit fine, but you, you know what I'm saying there. And when you watch that, I still go back and watch them on the mound sometime because, you know, obviously that's Mariano's moment, but they were in it together. And, and, and you see that on the mound in that time, and you see that when they come back for Old Timers Day, and you see that stuff. Not, there's no way that any one of them can feel that they can personally tell the story of the late 90s Yankees dynasty or even the 2019 because they know about the guys they're surrounded with, and they know what it takes better than anybody. And there's so much that you see when a season doesn't go great. The 2023 season was not great. Right. And you can look to this guy getting hurt, this guy underperforming, this guy having a rocky roller coaster season, whatever. And what you realize is Garrett Cole's probably going to win the Cy Young Award this year. So what does that mean for his season? You know? Well, if you ask Aaron Judge, his season's a failure. If you ask Garrett Cole, I think he would say that he did absolutely everything he could and, you know, needs to win one more game or whatever, whatever he would say. You, you know what I mean, though? Mm-hmm. And it's just, this sport is so hard. These rosters are big, and everybody has a role. And it's just, it's so remarkable when you think about it. Again, what these guys did together. And, and, and the, the life they built together, the baseball story they wrote together, and how much skill there was there, and how much ability, but also just how much luck there is that they all got to do it together. Because if one of those guys is a Baltimore Oriole, how different is everyone's story? Yeah, I, I agree with you, and it's so fun to recollect on that. And one of the reasons I think, John, that it is fun to recollect on is because these guys like each other, mm-hmm. and that's a big piece. You know, I've always heard stories about, you know, and I have no idea if any of this is true or not, but, you you know, you, you hear about frosty relationships between two guys. They're so linked in history, and you find out later they didn't like each other, and they had a bad relationship, and the minute that they could separate from each other, they separated from each other. I don't know how often Andy Pettit talks to Derek Jeter or Mariano Rivera talks to, you know, Jorge Posada or Andy Pettit or whatever. But to your point, it's really heartwarming when you look. I was a person who was a fan before I worked here, and I grew up watching Don Mattingly and watching these guys, and, and such a huge fan of them. These guys, meaning Bernie Williams, Jorge Posada, Andy Pettit, Derek Jeter, Mariano Rivera. And it's really heartwarming is the best way I can describe it to see them together all these years later. And you know that that bond was real, like all those things that you hoped and thought about really did happen. And it it kind of makes those accomplishments that much more sweet for a person on the outside or uh, for them. It's funny, though, because you say you don't know how often they speak. And actually, if when they were here for the 98 celebration... They, made, they really don't speak very often. No, the thing is, though, when they do speak, it's like yesterday. Yeah. It, it, it just is immediate. They fall right back into it. And I think that's so special. And what it also makes me think, though, is, look, I get that the 98 team is special in some ways. I get that that team will always be on a platform. And the same way the 27 Yankees are always on a platform, the 61 Yankees are always on. I understand there maybe are some tears when you think about greatness. But the Yankees have 27 World Championships. They don't have 26 plus 98, the greatest team in franchise history, whatever you want to say about it, you know? And I don't think we're going to have as much, I don't think we're going to devote as many pages, maybe, let's say, next year to the 1999 World Champions and the 25th anniversary of that. And I don't think that maybe Old Timers Day will, you know, 
be advertised in advance to celebrate the 1999 team. But that's part of the story, too. You know, it's not that Andy Pettit was part of that 98 team. It's that he was part of 96 and 97. You know, I mean, Mm -hmm. great team, 97, 98, 99, 2000, 2009. And it just... (laughs) It really kind of it changes everything. I think about how all these things happen. Like these, and, and it's funny when you listen to the interview, and you know he's saying these things that made. I, I finally called him on it because he's like, "Yeah, I think we swept that series, and I think that maybe we didn't start that great." It's like Andy, like you were there. Like I can go to a deli in the Bronx and ask anybody what the Yankees' record in the first five games of the nineteen ninety eight season was, and every single one of them will say one and four. I can ask them what happened in the World Series, and every single one of them will say you swept the Padres. And you realize that when you are a part of so much and you're giving your all to so much, that some of it is just the same. It's just your job in a sense, and it's the same, and it's what you do. And you went out and beat the Padres this year, and you went out and beat the Braves the next year, and who who can remember? Who can remember all that stuff? It's nice to have that problem. Yeah, it's a great problem to have. And I think, you know, one, a couple things that put it in perspective for me, I, I was talking to our chief operating officer, Lon Trost, a couple years ago. I don't remember the context of the conversation, but we were talking about that time. And and look, I feel incredibly blessed that I started in 03, got to go to the World Series in my first year, wish we had won it, but it's okay, especially because we won it in 09. And I have one World Series ring that I'm so grateful to have, and it's so special. People look back and say, oh, well, you know, look at how many they won in the decade before or whatever. That's great. All good. But I had this conversation with Lon at one point, and he said, you know, I don't think people realized when we were going through that stretch of time just how unique it was. And we had that conversation a long time ago. And what's interesting about it is a lot of time has passed since that dynasty. A lot of time has passed since that conversation I had with him. And you know what? Not in not just us, meaning the Yankees, We've never done that since. We've won one championship since then. No other baseball team has won that many in that short a time. And frankly, no other sports team, I don't even think, has. So when you look at how special that time was, that comment really resonates. It's almost unique. It may never happen again. And if it does, maybe it happens once in the next... I mean, time is going to go on forever, I guess, right? But in our lifetimes, who knows? It was, it was amazing. I would have loved to have been here then for one one thing more than anything else, just to to get a sense of if you really could appreciate it in the moment. Because in the moment, you're just good and you're just winning and you're going out and competing. And, you know, I don't know. I never liked, and I've said this and I think you've said this too, I never liked the kind of attitude of if we don't win a World Series, the season is a failure. We talked about Anthony Volpe's comments about when you actually asked him that recently, and I thought his perspective, frankly, was better than that of Aaron Judge or Derek Jeter, where he was like, it is a building process towards something, and I think that's great. I'm not Derek Jeter, and I'm not Aaron Judge. I don't have the type of attitude those guys have, and I'm not saying that their attitudes are wrong, but I like, I can relate to how these guys must have felt that way because they won so many times that when you don't, it feels like it was a failure. And it's not. And I think that obviously part of the whole story is, you know, we talk about 96, 98, 99, 2000. I mean, 97, the team, as I said, that was a great team that, you know, Yankees fans did not have much perspective in 1997. They really felt like, what's wrong? How are we not winning? But then, you know, you go to 2001 and, you know, the series ends in game seven with Mariano Rivera on the mound. I mean, like, 
you, you expect that to go differently. I mean, no disrespect when I say it. You, yep. you, you almost are chalking that one up as a series win when that inning starts, right? Yeah, and I'll, <laughs> I'll interject one thing. You know, another great quote that I always remember was spring training of 02. A fan came up to Joe Torre, he was signing autographs, and Joe always repeated this story and said, hey, you're going to do better this year. Okay, well, better would mean one pitch would go differently or one you know, a sequence of pitches over the course of what, 180 games or and something. And it has to be in the like right that. game because it has to be in game seven and nine inning. Game seven. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so he kind of shrugged, like, yeah, I hope it, you know, I think Joe's response was, I, you know, I really tried to get a lot smarter this offseason so I can, you know, it's just, it's almost silly at that but point. But to, to keep know? it going though, so 2003, 2002, look, whatever, finally they got caught a little bit earlier in the postseason. Yeah. They don't make the World Series horror. 2003, they make the World Series. They lose in six games. 2004, they're up 3-0 in the LCS. And and I mean, we're not. We don't need to drag that up right now. But it's just, it's longer than it's sometimes given credit for that dynasty and yeah. that idea. It's a lot like, you know, as we just watched. We're recording this on Tuesday afternoon, and last night the Astros were sent home. The Astros aren't going to be in the World Series right now. Now, since 2017, yeah, the Astros have two World Series championships. I mean, they've been the dominant figure in the sport for that entire time, you know? So so how do you gauge that right now? I mean, the playoffs are bigger now than they were. Would the Yankees have won all of those World Series if the playoffs were bigger? And if they had to do more to do... Like, who knows? Who knows? It's impossible to say. And, and, and I think that if, what I cherish, if you want to use that word, when I get to talk to some of these guys who won at a rate that, like you said, no professional athlete in a team sport can understand right now, except for maybe Tom Brady. It's just there's something about that much winning. You have to figure out some way, and I think these guys do, of appreciating the whole experience, in a sense. And I mean that both ways. I mean, I think that, joking aside, I think that Andy Pettit can tell me a lot of happier memories about the 98 season, even if the 98 World Series was a personal struggle for him. I, I bet he does have you know individual memories of 99, though, and 2000, mm-hmm. all these things. But it's also the whole ride. You don't remember just the the, the first big uh, drop in a roller coaster. No. You, you need to make sure that all the twists and turns that come after that are also fun, mm-hmm. or else you've just created one thrill. And and that stretch was so many thrills. It really was. And I think that just reflecting back, and, I, and I'm you know, sitting here thinking of what a long stretch it really is. Like It seems like it's short, but it's really long in the sense of all the things that happen. And I remember... like. First being in high school, then being in college during that time, and, and then ultimately graduate school and working here by 03. But I remember like how many great things happened across the street during that time. Whether you're talking about a no-hitter in 1996 with Doc Gooden, you know, trades for incredible players like Roger Clemens and guys like that. And I'm not doing this in chronological order, but a perfect game in 98. And then another perfect game in 99. I mean, they won three championships, 96, 98, 99, before I get to 2000. And in each of those years, they had a guy either pitch a no-hitter or a perfect game. I mean, 2000 came around. It was almost like, who's going to do it this year? And then in 2000... Instead, they just beat the Mets in the World Series. Right. Instead, it's the first Subway Series since 1956. And another incredible, incredible feet, if you will. And not because they, you know, got to choose to play the Mets, but they beat them and it was a great team that they beat. And then you get to 01 and it's, you know, more drama. Obviously the first part of that that drama in 01 is is, you know, the greatest, you know, tragedy here on American soil that, 
you know, the Yankees were very close to. You know, then they have this other amazing World Series feat, which is where they, you know, they're down to their last out two nights in a row in two World Series games and ended up winning those games. Like, what a time. What a time. It was amazing. Really. It is. And and, and I think that, you know, maybe, maybe to try to bring this home a little bit here, because I, I think, especially after this year, which was difficult, we can go on talking about the late 90s Yankees for as long as people want. I think they'd rather hear some mm-hmm. of that. But again, we're, we're doing this on Tuesday. Tonight is Game 7 of the National League Championship Series. By the time that this is out, the World Series matchup is set, ready to begin. Mm-hmm. And it's like, whether it's the Phillies or the Rangers or the Diamondbacks who win the championship this year, I, I, I look at the, those rosters and I see so much that's different about them. And I see so much that's interesting about them that it makes me think a lot about next year's Yankees. And, and part of what I mean by that is it's going to be a project right now. And I, and I think that after a bad season, it's always easy to look at how hard the road up is. And after a great season, it's always easy to look at how you know easy it is to fall down kind of, kind of the mountaintop. So who knows really how many of these players who struggled last year are actually able to get back to it. Who knows how many of these players who were injured last who, we don't know what Carlos Rodon is yet. And I don't think no. anyone has a real answer for that. It's not important to try to figure that out for uh, me and you right now. Yeah, as, I mean, I tried to figure it out when I was writing his bio for the 2024 <laughs> yearbook. And all I realized was one thing, which is exactly what you said. And that's a good thing. Yeah. What I mean by that is they, the Yankees signed him to be a star player. He wasn't a star player in 2023, but he's not. that's not because he's over the hill. He still has the potential to be a star player. And he's still signed here for a lot of years. And so he's got time to do that. Ability didn't go away either. Yeah. But, but so you you want to talk about the story of the 2023 baseball season to this point? Well, it's probably the Braves who were unbelievable all year long. They're home. Dodgers, unbelievable. They're home. Astros, man, you you just can't knock out the Astros, can you? You can't kill them, right? They're home. So what do you have? You have, as we sit here right now, two 92-win teams, and I think that the Diamondbacks are an 88-win team, if I'm not mistaken, mm-hmm. but it, it's definitely under 90. Yeah. And there's just room. You don't have to assemble the 1927 Yankees in order to succeed right now. And I don't think you can look at the Diamondbacks roster right now and the Rangers roster and understand any kind of clarifying link to explain why those two teams are playing right now and why the Yankees aren't. I think that there is it is it is in some ways an easier job to in a vacuum create the team that you think is the best capable of winning and oh in a sense cuz you can't replicate the Rangers by trying to build the Diamondbacks mm-hmm. in a sense. But those are like those could very well be the two World Series teams or mm-hmm. the Philly whatever it is. Yeah. So it it just makes me think about just we don't know what a World Series team looks like. We don't know what the answer is right now. And I think it's a crutch to be angry and to, to demand uh, of the Yankees front office right now to do this, 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 or this. And that's a fan's right. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying they can't do that. And I'm not saying, frankly, that Hal Steinbrenner can't do that if he wants to. But I think the answer is we don't know. We don't know what the answer is. And if we did, then the World Series teams would look a lot more similar than they do. Yeah, I, I think... You're right. There's no roadmap that is better than another roadmap. Some work out better than others. It doesn't mean a map is just a map, right? I mean, it's not a, it's not an actual <laughs> journey. The map for the journey, they all look good. Some things hit 
you know, these teams are healthy at the right time. Mm-hmm. We were not healthy at all. And again, that's not an excuse because no one's going to feel bad for the Yankees organization for not making it to where we'd hoped to make it or where the Diamondbacks are or whatever. You know, you have to have some luck. You just talked about it with the dynasty from the late 90s and early 2000s. Like, all those guys were healthy all the time. You know, whether it's the starting pitching staff, who I, I said recently, what was so great about those teams was almost every single night in the postseason, their starting pitcher was better than the opponent's starting pitcher. Bucky Dent talked about it when we did the podcast with him. He was a coach with the Rangers, and he's like, he would look at who they would have to face when they played the Yankees in the postseason. And one night it was Andy Pettit, then it was David Wells, then it was David Cohn, then it was Orlando Hernandez, who literally almost never lost in the postseason. I'm not sure who I'm forgetting. I probably am forgetting someone significant. But, you know, and then in the bullpen, it was all these guys, you know, Jeff Nelson and Mike Stanton and Mariano Rivera. And it was, it was a juggernaut, but they were all on the field and they were all there and they all got hot at the right time. And, you, and, you know, that's one recipe, uh, you know, what the Diamondbacks are doing this year. You know, there's some similarities to that, but the, you know, getting it right. I, I think the other thing I, I, I've kind of been reminded of this year when you see an 88 win team. 84 wins, by the way. I just checked. An 84 win team, but go Amazing. on. No. An 84 win team, by the way, that's two wins better than the Yankees, but go on. A team that played in a division that got, the, you know, where that got them into the postseason, number mm-hmm. one, and that's important because you kind of have to get into the tournament. But when you get into it, again, being at your best, being healthy, those are things that we didn't have. And that's, again, it's not an excuse, but it, it's the reality of it. What a lot of this makes me feel, and I know I wrote this in my, my press box column for the October issue, it, it does make me feel that there is a lot of parity in the league and that a team that's committed to winning, and I really mean committed like the Yankees are, are not really as far away as it may have seemed. And, and that's and, a good thing. And that's like, look, this is, this is a fool's errand in a lot of ways. I get it. But let's play a game where if there's padding in the right field wall, or at the base of the right field wall in Dodger Stadium. You know, does that make some of the guys who were out all season around this year? No. Does that make some of the guys who just didn't work out this year all-stars this year? No. Does it maybe give the Yankees four more wins? Sure. Maybe. If, I, I don't if, know. If war maybe. means anything, it, yeah. it does. Maybe. Yeah. I mean, if you if you look back at, what Aaron Judge did, and I don't mean just in terms of individual statistics, mm-hmm. but the way that he, I mean, you hate to, to say this in, a, in baseball because he's not the quarterback of the baseball team, right? But, mm-hmm. Or the running back that rushes for 300 yards every game. I mean, that person is carrying the team. Aaron Judge carried them at times last year. You know, I think for that's almost fair. the entire year. I mean, I think that's a fair statement. Garrett Cole has been amazing for two years. This year is even better than ever. But when you look at what Aaron Judge did night in and night out, he affected the outcome of games they won, specifically games they won on such a regular basis. And here's the thing, John, he was no worse this year than he was last year. No, He was doing the same things he was doing last year until he ran up against a part of a stadium that should not have been in the state that it was in. <laughs> I mean, that's just being honest. It, it's That's not a, a comment that you know reflects the organization's opinion. It's just looking at it. That's what it was. And that's unfortunate. The 2009 
Yankees won 103 games. And yep. they won the World Series. Mm-hmm. The 2019 Yankees won 103 games, and they didn't win the World Series. Well, that's a very controversial series they were in that they where they got bounced. I mean, that's and that's something that I think is, without getting to the specifics of it, very, very important part of this narrative. Sure. But let's then say the 2018 Yankees who won 100 games, or even the 2022 Yankees who won 99 games. My point is, it's very easy right now for Yankee fans to look at the universe of baseball and be frustrated. And I get it. And baseball season's long, and therefore you kind of wear it when it doesn't go great. because you, you sat with it for so long. It's just, again, I look at this postseason right now, and I look at the Orioles just going home without a fight. Amazing. And I look at the Braves going home real quick. And it's just, you know what? Just get in. Yeah. And I don't like that. And I don't like that they expanded the playoffs to the point of, hey, just get Anybody in. Anybody gets in, yeah. <laughs> but... A lot of teams get it. It means me. that the road back, and maybe this is the nice, positive, optimistic place to leave it, it means that the road back is not what it used to be. Right. And I think that you can watch this World Series, even if you still feel upset about the 2023 season, you can watch this World Series and think to yourself how recently the Rangers, the Diamondbacks, lost 100 games. Yeah. It can turn, man. Like It, 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 it doesn't have to kill you, and it doesn't have to break you apart. You, know, you can be frustrated. You can be upset. You know, the Yankees are supposed to win every year, but they're certainly supposed to be in the playoffs every year, and they're not right now. But that doesn't mean that they're not in a position that they can rebound from. Like they did from 08 to 09, or from 16 to 17, where although we didn't win in 17, again, in a controversy-filled ALCS, we were there until the very, very, very end game seven. And great optimism that I feel, and, and obviously you're talking the same way, and I think our fans should share that for sure as we close out october and enter into our month of thanksgiving if you will i think that's a a good way to start it so al look forward to uh getting to speak to you two weeks from now and uh continuing these conversations and figuring another as we start building up some stories and start thinking a lot about 2024 i know that uh it does help to kind of release a little bit of the gloom sometimes and try to think about maybe you know what what we're building and what's being built. Yeah. I've seen some negative situations and some bad situations, bad teams. This is not one of them, that's for sure. But thank you and looking forward to two weeks from now. Cheers. Hi, this is Tommy Canely. For more stories like these, be sure to pick up Yankees Magazine. You can get a copy the next time you're at the ballpark or by calling 800-GO-YANKS or visiting yankees.com slash publications. Thanks for listening. The New York Yankees official podcast is a production of the Yankees Magazine Podcast Network. It's produced by me, John Schwartz, with assistance from the entire team at Yankees Magazine, as well as incredible support from the New York Yankees Media Relations Department, in particular Jason Zillow, Michael Margolis, and Caitlin Brennan. Thanks also to our awesome social media team, Brian Callahan, Julia Shore, and Alex King. If you're not subscribed, what are you waiting for? We're available wherever you listen to your podcasts or at yankees.com slash podcasts. Leave us a review, leave us a rating, you can even send us your thoughts over email, podcasts at yankees.com. For more information about the stories we discussed today, visit yankees.com slash magazine, where you can read all of our long-form content. If you'd like to subscribe to Yankees Magazine or purchase individual copies of the magazine, yearbook, media guide, or anything else, please visit yankees.com slash publications or call us at 800-GO-YANKS. Of course, you can also stay up to date on everything happening here at the stadium by following us on Twitter, at Yanks Magazine, or by liking us on Facebook at Yankees Magazine. That's it. See you next time, and go Yanks.